Welcome to New Mexico People, Places, and Ideas. I'm Stephen Spitz. On today's show, in July 1945, the U.S. exploded the very first atomic bomb, not in Japan, as you might think, but right here in New Mexico. The Trinity test went well, and World War II ended quickly. But what happened to the people near the test site? We'll ask Tina Cordova, co-founder of the Tularosa Downwinders Consortium. Tina Cordova, welcome to the program. Thank you, Steve. Tina, what I'd like to do is have you start by catching us up on your very recent testimony to the U.S. Senate. Then we're going to hear from two very special guests who experienced the effects of the blast firsthand. And we'll finish up with a few general questions on your recovery efforts. So starting with your testimony to the Senate, uh, I read somewhere that that's the very first time there has been any formal hearing whatsoever about New Mexico downwinders. Is that actually the truth? That is the truth. And it was a historic event because in the 73 years since the test, July 16, 1945, the downwinders of New Mexico have pretty much been ignored. But when we testified on June 27th as the representative of the Tularosa Basin Downwinders Consortium, or TBDC, who represents the interests of all the people of New Mexico and most specifically the people who lived in the counties adjacent to the test site, I was able to speak during a Senate hearing. And during that Senate, Senate hearing, there was an acknowledgement that we exist that we were damaged, and that the government should take responsibility for the damages. And that's historic because we've never had anybody from the government officially recognize that any of those things are true. When when you say there was an acknowledgement, what do you mean? They firmly, during their statements, Senator Crapo, Senator Booker, and Senator Udall all referred to the fact that they are aware that people lived as close as 12 miles to the test site, they're aware that we were damaged and harmed during the process of the test. And they're also aware of the fact that we should be compensated and taken care of and given health care coverage just like other downwinders are in other parts of the country. So is, that's what you're asking for? It's exactly what we're asking for. I've recently uh, started using the, the terms we are, we are wanting exactly what other downwinders receive, not one dime more, not one dime less. We want to be treated fairly. How, how many and, dimes are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of dimes, $2.25 billion to be specific. And while that's a lot of money, what's even greater than that is the health care coverage card that these people receive, which entitles them to the very best health care that's available anywhere without co-payments, without limitations of any kind. And um, that health care card develops its own economy. A so lot of people don't understand. You, your, your downwinders are receiving, asking for $2.25 billion? I think that the claims in New Mexico will amount to more than $2.25 billion. No I kidding. Yeah, absolutely, because people lived much closer to the test site at Trinity. The test at Trinity was unique unto itself and produced probably the largest radioactive fallout of any test that was ever conducted. And because of that, I, I really do believe the claims are going to be more than $2.25 billion. Wow. So with that sort of introduction, I'd like to kind of circle back and talk to one of the two special guests that you have arranged for us to talk to. And and the first special guest is Daryl Gilmore. And 
Daryl, I'd like to invite you and welcome you to the show, and thank you so much for taking the time to be here. And I guess my first question is, does July 16, 1945, stick in your mind in any way? Uh, yes, it does. <clears throat> I remember that date just as as it was yesterday, and without wh- doubt. Why is that? Well, uh, I have a pretty pretty long story to tell you, but what it amounts to is that on the 15th, my dad called me to bring my brother's car from Albuquerque back to Tularosa. Okay. And then go with the family to El Paso, Fort Bliss, to meet my oldest brother who was just returned from Europe and was going to get out of the Army in a day or so. So your fi- your family lived in Tularosa? We lived in Tularosa. Okay. Yes, that was my home. And and you were, home. you were where at this time? I was in the at the university. At, at, you and on the On the evening of... July the 15th, my dad called me at the dormitory in at the university there in New Mexico, and uh, he asked me to bring my brother's car home that I had borrowed so that it would be there when they when he got home to Tularosa. And I asked him if he wanted me to bring it that night, and he said, no, tomorrow we'll be fine, and we'll go together and meet him in El Paso. I see. So you started off on uh, in the morning of July 16th? Early in the morning of the 16th, I started my trip to El Paso by way of uh, Socorro and San Antonio and Carasosa and then finally Al- Alamogordo and El Paso. So did you hear the blast or see the blast or know anything no, about I the blast? To- I was totally unaware of it, and I did not meet a single police car or military police vehicle Anywhere in that 300-mile trip. So uh, so you you had no reason to think anything unusual was going on? The only thing unusual was when I got to about 10 or 12 miles east of the little town of San Antonio, which is 11 miles south of Socorro, I stopped and checked my tires, looked at my tires on the car, because there was 17 miles of graded road at that time on, uh, along that highway. And I stopped and got out of the car and checked my tires. They got in, back in and drove off, and I met a convoy of six Army trucks with loaded with the young soldiers in the back of the truck. And the lead sergeant driver waved me down. I had just started to move again in the car, and he waved me down and stopped me and told me to said, put your windows up and get out of the area. Drive out of the area as fast as you can. There's poison gas in the area. And I thought on, on a clear, bright day, how could that be? I th- thought he was crazy. So how how far were you? Do you have any idea how far you were from the Trinity site when this happened? It, it, I was a, Where I stopped the car and checked my tires was about 10 miles from the Trinity site. Wow. Wow. And I was on the highway that goes to Carasosa. And... Uh, they stopped me and told me to get out of there as fast as they could. And and uh, when I got to uh, El Paso, I joined my folks in Tularosa and went on to El Paso. By the time I got to El Paso, I looked like I had a bad, bad sunburn. My face and neck and arms all were red, just like I had a bad, bad sunburn. H- had you been out in the sun other than just checking your tires? None whatsoever, just moments that I was out of the car to walk around and look at my tires was the only sun that I had that day. And uh, it looked like a sunburn because the skin was red and uh, 
when we got to El Paso, uh, we put some lotion on my skin, and, and uh, it actually penetrated my shirt too, my sports shirt that I was wearing, a short sleeve uh, summer shirt. When you when you say penetrated, what do you mean? Uh, my upper body was slightly red too, I as see. well as the arms and. Which didn't make any sense, right? <laughs> that couldn't have been didn't in make the sun. any sense. Right. My mother questioned me, "Had I been out in the sun?" I said, "No, not at all. I've been to classes, and that's all." And uh, so that afternoon in in El Paso, the Herald Post published a small, small article that an ammunition dump at the far remote corner of the missile range had exploded. And that was the only information that day that came out. And I went back to Tularosa the next day with the family and... uh, my brother helped me. We fixed up a couple of things on my motorcycle. And on the 19th, I rode back to Albuquerque by that same route and got a, apparently another dose of radiation on the 19th as I went back to the school in Albuquerque at the university. And uh, it uh, peeled, and finally, finally, after a long time, it went away. It, it peeled like a sunburn, you mean? Or? Like a bad sunburn, yeah. Uh-huh. Like a real bad sunburn. And and other than that, have you had any ill health effects from from this? I've had constant uh, work on my skin. Cancer. First, first in the middle, I went to a dermatologist and had some places removed, and then, uh, in uh, after I moved to El Paso, well, uh, moved on up to New Mexico, and uh, then I went to. Uh, dermatologist in Las Cruces for a number of visits and he treated me for the sun sunburn so-called sunburn effect you you still didn't know it was radiation yeah by that time by the time I got to Las Cruces I'd figured out I had been hit with radiation when was that how how long after I imagine it took me 10 years to figure out that I got a radiation burn okay maybe five years I don't remember exactly when but uh, shortly after I began to notice these bumps on my arm. Well, I went to a dermatologist in Midland, Texas, and he took off some bumps off of my arms and said they were precancerous. And then later when I was uh, living in New Mexico, I went to a medical doctor in Las Cruces, and she sent me to a dermatologist there in Las Cruces. And uh, I visited him a number of times. And when my insurance failed to pay him on on time, uh, he quit taking me. How about your family the, living in, uh, in Tularosa? Did they experience any ill health effects? Very much so. My dad died uh, just a couple of years, a few years later. He died at age 66. Sorry to hear from that. From cancer. And then later, my mother died from cancer, and also my sister, who was living in Tularosa with, with them. All three of them died from cancer. Wow. Well, Daryl, um, I'm, I'm sorry this happened to you. I, I don't know what else to say, except that I know that Tina is one heck of an advocate and is doing everything she can to, to help yeah, everybody that was affected. She's a nice person. I like her very much. Um, so I'm going to thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us. And we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in 30 seconds. 
concert highlights that you can't hear anyplace else. Conversations, personal insights, and reflections from the finest musicians of our time. Updates on what's what and who's who in the world of classical music. And, of course, our weekly game, The Piano Puzzler with Bruce Adolph. I'm Fred Child. Join me for APM's Performance Today. Weekday mornings at 9 on KUNM. We are back on New Mexico People, Places, and Ideas. My name is Stephen Spitz, and I'm very pleased to be here in the studio with Tina Cordova. She's the co-founder of the Tularosa Basin Downwinders Consortium. We just heard from Daryl Gilmore, and Daryl had a firsthand experience along with his family of the effects of this blast. And I uh, just wanted just a few questions for you, Tina, because in, in the little introduction that we covered, I, you are getting very emotional. I can see that. I'm, I'm sorry about that. But uh, I didn't actually ask you about any health effects that you might have from having uh, lived in Tularosa. Well, I am a cancer survivor. You I are was, a cancer survivor. I am a cancer survivor. I was diagnosed when I was 39 years old with thyroid cancer. And the first question they asked me was, when were you exposed to radiation? because they know radiation causes thyroid cancer. And everyone in my family, especially all the women, are on thyroid medication. Everybody has thyroid disease. And the, the amazing thing to me is that we don't have anybody really doing screening for thyroid cancer. It's very curable if it's caught early. I was very fortunate because I lived in Albuquerque when I was diagnosed, and I had a good doctor, and I had good health care. But in listening to Daryl, um, I think the thing that, that just jumped out at me immediately, there were a couple of things. The first is that there was such a lack of concern for human health that the government didn't even have the sense to close that roadway that he indicated he crossed over on, mm-hmm. the roadway from San Antonio to Carrizozo. And he's right. When he pulled over, there are spots there where you're as close as eight miles to the Trinity test site. Without a doubt, he received a radiation burn. He didn't, I don't think Daryl was able to fully communicate everything, but I know that Daryl had not only skin cancer, but other cancers. Um, And the other thing that jumped out at me was what he said about the dermatologist cutting him off when his health insurance didn't pay him on time. And that's indicative of what we face as downwinders in New Mexico. We have problems accessing health care. We land up spending all we have on that health care because we almost always have to travel someplace other than where we live to receive health care. And obviously his story is very indicative of what people experience and what people have experienced. You you, uh, said something earlier about this being a a very high radioactivity from this blast. And I know there's been – I mean I didn't know this before doing the show, but there's been up to a 1,000 – tests in the United States, which is mind-boggling. But you're you're suggesting that this particular test, this first atomic bomb blast, July 16, 1945, was particularly radioactive. And and why would that be? Well, there are a couple of reasons why. First of all, it was the only test ever performed on a platform 100 feet off the ground. So essentially, the, the entire magnitude of the blast came down, impacted the earth, had no place to go. And then what happened is it joined with the soil, the sand, the animal and plant life in the area, incinerated it, 
joined it with the plutonium, took it over seven miles past the atmosphere into the stratosphere. And depending on the wind patterns um, in those days subsequent to the test, this ash fell from the sky for days on everything. Uh, Our guest, Barbara Kent, can talk a little bit more about that. The other thing is that because they had to make certain that the test went off that day and was, i.e., a success, they overpacked the bomb with plutonium. They they utilized 13 pounds of plutonium, weapons-grade plutonium, in this device, but only three pounds fissioned. So there was an entire 10 pounds of plutonium that went unaccounted for. What happened to that plutonium is that it went up in that fireball over seven miles into the atmosphere and was joined with the the sand, the soil, the animal and plant life, and then turned into an ash. And you only have to ingest or inhale or absorb one particle of plutonium, and it remains in your body for the remainder of time, emitting low-level radiation and destroying your organs. So the, the, uh, Tularosa was a, r- a rural community. All those communities surrounding Trinity were rural. They didn't have running water. There were no grocery stores. Nobody had a refrigerator. Some people had an icebox. In doing my research, I found out that there was a really um, successful ice plant in Tularosa because some people had iceboxes and they would buy blocks of ice and keep, you know, keep things refrigerated for a few days that way. Um, But people didn't have grocery stores. Everything that we consumed in 1945 in rural New Mexico was grown. We had gardens, we had orchards, and we raised animals. We raised chickens for eggs. So were you eating plutonium? Basically, once that plutonium fell from the sky in that ash, it was joined with everything, the soil, the water, uh, the atmosphere, the air we were breathing. Once it was joined with our environment, 24,000-year half-life. Plutonium has a half-life of 24,000 years. It's not going away. So it didn't leave in 73 years? It didn't leave. It's not... It's not going anywhere in 73 years. And so we know that because of the very organic lifestyle that people were living, depending entirely on the earth for food, um, and, and because people totally depended on the rainfall, it rained really hard that day. It brought down probably the really heaviest particles of plutonium, and, and people had cisterns, holding ponds, ditches. That's how they got their water. So now it's in everything that people are consuming. And we know that because of those things, it made this particular blast incredibly deadly. Well, if you've just tuned in, this is New Mexico People, Places and Ideas. You've just heard Tina Cordova. She is the co-founder of the Tularosa uh, Basin Downwinders Consortium. And uh, previously we had on the show Daryl Gilmore, who talked about the health effects on him as he drove toward Tularosa. And now I'd like to invite a second special guest to join us, uh, Barbara Kent. Uh, Barbara, can you hear me okay? I can, yes. So uh, July 16th, 1945, what do you remember about that day? Well, I was 13 years old, and I was a camp in Rio Dosa, New Mexico, Uh, when the bomb was tested, July 16th, 1945. And I was 53 miles away from ground zero. And what happened uh, at the camp, there was probably about six upper bunks, and I was in one of them. And when this thing happened, 
we all fell from the upper bump all the way to the floor. You fell out of your bunks? Yes. And we were, at the time, you know, we were sound asleep. It was only like 5.30 in the morning. You mean you were startled so badly that you fell out of your bunks? Well, we all sat there on the floor just looking at each other thinking, what is going on? I mean, it was, you know, a real shocker to us. And a few minutes later, the counselor comes in, and she said, I want you all to rush outside. She says, I think a wider heater has exploded, and we want I want you all outside. So we went outside. And this uh, was... It's a, it was a very strange day. When we went outside, it was dark, you know, because of the, uh, and it was right away when we went out. It was very dark. And within 15 minutes, the sun came up. At least we thought it was sun. It was so bright, you cannot believe and if you looked up at the sun, it hurt your eyes. And, you know, we all thought, oh, boy, it went from dark to sunshine, you know. Very quickly. And then during the day, it was very, very cloudy. And there were all kinds of clouds uh, coming and going. And uh, what happened that afternoon we were doing arts and craft, and anyway, all of a sudden we look outside, and we think it's snowing. There's all this white, we thought snow, as you know, <laughs> coming down, and we asked if we could go out and uh, play in the river, because the river was right in front of their house. So they said we could. And we're out there, and we're grabbing all this white, which we thought was snow. And as it came down, instead of being cold, like you think snow's going to be, it's real warm. And we're just taking it and grabbing it and putting it all over our face. And, oh, we're having the best time. So, as you know, it was fallout and had nothing to do with snow. So I'm wondering uh, if if any of this has caused any ill health effects to you. certainly has. I've had my thyroid taken out. I've had my gallbladder. Uh, you know, we, I've had cancer. I've had endometrium cancer. And I've also, I've had a stillborn and two miscarriages. And I also have had the start of leukemia, which for years I was taking shots. And I'm okay with that. But, uh, you know, all kinds. My children, my three daughters have all, one had cancer of the breast, Another right now is with around her lungs. I mean, it's unbelievable. But let me, my mother and brother uh, took me to camp. And uh, 
anyway, my brother and my mother both have brain tubers. Barbara, I, my understanding is that they actually stayed over overnight or, and were in Riodoso that day, July 16th. Yes, they stayed over. They were at the Noisy Water Lodge. And my mother, her reaction was really strange. She thought somebody was underneath the bed and was shaking it so hard. And she was holding on so she wouldn't fall off. Wow. And I interrupted you. You were talking about your mother and brother who had brought you to the camp and stayed in Rio Doso and the health effects as to them. Yes, they were. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you say it again? (laughs) Did your mother and brother suffer any ill health effects? Yes, they're the ones that have the brain tumor. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And my mother died. My brother is still living. And uh, so we've had a lot in our, uh, you know, family. Well, I, I, uh, uh, as I said to Daryl, I I don't know how to end this interview uh, without just expressing sorrow for what you've had to go through. I have tremendous appreciation for you joining our show today. I know you also went to Washington with Tina, so we thank you for that too. Uh, Thank you again so much for spending the time with us today. Um, Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Barbara. So Tina, uh, those are such emotional testimonies. It's really hard to uh, to follow up on it. But, you know, if there's any pushback at all with regard to what you're trying to achieve, it's that, you know, how do you actually show, in fact, causation? How do you show that, uh, that it's the radiation from this blast that actually caused all these cancers? Um, uh, do you have an answer for that? Well, I would invite the government to come back and do a full epidemiological study and prove that it didn't cause all these cancers. My understanding is this is the only place they haven't studied. It has never been studied. And I think there's a reason for that. I think that uh, the government full well knows that there was damage done to people and that it was extensive. I mean, when you hear these stories... Uh, you you have to realize that this is not normal. So we're, we're really at the end of the show. So I, I just want to ask you this final kind of question, which is, you know, you've taken this first formal giant step. You know, as you said, the, you, you got to testify at a hearing. There was an acknowledgement of what happened here in New Mexico. Where do you see this going? How do you see this ending? How How optimistic are you about achieving what you're trying to achieve? Well, I don't want to be naive. Uh, I think I started out 13 years ago very naive. I thought that once the public was made aware of what happened here, there would be a groundswell of support. I believe that for this to develop into a bill that gets passed in the Senate and the House, the people of New Mexico are going to have to stand up together and say enough is enough. Well, I'm sorry to say we're going to have to leave it there. I would like to thank my three guests from the Tularosa Downwinders Consortium. Tina Cordova, who you just heard from, and our two special guests, Daryl Gilmore and Barbara Kent. Thanks also to my engineer, Roman Garcia. The executive producer of this show is Lynn Shebecki. My name is Stephen Spitz, and you've been listening to New Mexico People, Places, and Ideas on KUNM. 
Podcasts of the show are available wherever you get podcasts. Search Stephen Spitz. Archives of my past shows are at stephenspitz.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you.